If you're serving in the military or know anyone who is serving, stick around and learn how to plan for a military retirement. This is Retirement Revealed, where Jeremy Kyle and his guests guide you towards making smarter retirement, investment, and tax planning decisions. Welcome to Retirement Revealed. I'm your host, Jeremy Kyle, and we're here to turn your retirement savings into retirement income. Today, we're talking with General Michael Meese about how to plan for a military retirement. We've had a few current and former service members on the show previously, but none as high-ranking as General Meese. So I'm going to say welcome to the show, sir. Well, happy to be here, Jeremy. Yeah, you got it. And uh, your organization reached out to us about having you on because you've got a really unique area that you help service members, active duty uh, retirees. I'm going to ask you to talk about that. But for anyone else who has yet to serve, hasn't served in the military, I want you to stick around too because you're going to learn a lot of different things about kind of the process of retirement. And I hope it gives you a good appreciation of the ways that others have served in the military and kind of the, the things that they're facing. So uh, uh, you asked me to, to call you, Mike, so I'll do that from here on out. But uh, tell us more about yourself and uh, specifically what prompted you to join the military? Well, thanks very much, Jeremy. I actually grew up in California and uh, went to high school in the San Diego area. Everybody there uh, tended to be Navy oriented. Uh, and I wasn't sure what I wanted to do with my life, uh, uh, but thought I would be involved in leadership in one way or another. And so thought going to the military academy at West Point would be good. At that time, I was dating uh, this girl. So figured I would just go there for five years, uh, which was the commitment. Uh, when you go to a service academy, leave the service and then go back to California. Uh, as it turned out, I liked it and uh, stayed in as long as I was having fun, which turned out to be 32 years in the army. Uh, the girl that I was dating at the time, we've now been married for 40 years. And so that worked out uh, as well. And uh, moved around with the Army several different times and then retired. And uh, when I retired, I joined um, the current organization, the American Armed Forces Mutual Aid or or, uh, Association, which is the oldest nonprofit that takes care of the military and veterans with financial uh, products and independence and those kinds of things. Yeah, and that's uh, amazing. I'm a member of USAA. I was telling you earlier how I uh, was part of the ROTC, wasn't able to go active duty, but through that, as a member of USAA. Uh, so then when I came across uh, AAF, MAA, uh, I, I'm assuming there's a, how how should we uh, call it from here on out? Uh, probably easiest to call it AFMA. AFMA, uh, well, excellent. Yeah. Yeah, I just thought it was uh, a, a great organization uh, when I was looking into it. So I appreciate you, you coming on. You mentioned leadership and West Point. We had a, a recent podcast guest, Chris Kalinda. I don't know if you recognize that name at all. I know Chris very well. He and I served in Afghanistan together. He's a great leader and is now involved in a variety of leadership uh, aspects. So I'm glad that you've had him on and speaks to the stature of your program if you've had both Chris and I on your podcasts. I'll take it. Yeah, I uh, ran across Chris just from a news article about how he biked a thousand miles, uh, more than a thousand miles to honor uh, six of his service members who had fallen and uh, he's local to Milwaukee, just like I am. So it was a great connection. I was I was curious if you uh, knew him or heard of him. Uh, I thought, I'm going to do this live, ask you live uh, <laughs> to see where it went. So that's awesome. That's great news. Wonderful. Well, uh, tell me a little bit more about AFMA because it, uh, it well, does a lot of things. 
it's really a sort of an interesting, unique organization. Uh, we speak in Milwaukee. It was born out of the Midwest. Uh, back in the uh, Old West days, if any service, uh, when the Army was uh, settling the West, if any service member was killed, at those times soldiers, there was nothing really to take care of the families. And so that's where the tradition of passing the hat came in. Uh, they'd pass the hat, whatever money went into the hat, that's what they would give to the widow. And that's what she had to live off of uh, when somebody was killed on the battlefield. Well, at the Battle of Little Bighorn, when Custer and the 7th Cavalry were wiped out in 1876, there was nobody to pass the hat, nobody to pass the hat to. So the Army at the time put together a mutual insurance organization called the Army Mutual Aid Association, AMAA. Um, and back in 1879, people would pay $2 a month. And if anybody died, the widow would receive $200. And over the past 144 years, we've grown that into an organization that has over 100,000 people that are protected with our insurance, other aspects of it, including mortgages and financial planning and wealth management, uh, and uh, over $24 billion of insurance in force, not as a charity, but as a mutual organization with military people taking care of other military people. Yeah, I love that idea of the a mutual organization. I've got some connections through a mutual organization called Thriving Financial. So they're a fraternal. Uh, and I've got a, a friend of mine who is part of a fraternal, a mutual aid organization that's made up only of uh, We Energy's employees. They're actually the smallest fraternal society, mutual aid organization like that uh, out there in the US. Thrivent is the biggest one. They're both headquartered in Wisconsin. Uh, and my friend Joe just loves to talk about just the benefit of these mutual aid organizations, because I think that's uh, a bit of what America was founded on is let's help each other out. And uh, the, the word mutual and aid, I mean, you can't get more well, helping each other out than, than that right there. So that's that's great. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah, we concentrate on taking care of people, uh, the survivors of uh, service members who either die on active duty or die many years later after they're retired. And so that's how we get involved with issues like military retirement, the survivor benefit plan, and all of the other kinds of important issues to take care of our military. Yeah. And those are good, important issues that are relevant, whether you work with a place like USA I mentioned, or, or AFMA that you work with, or hey, even giving me a call, right? What's important is learning a lot of the benefits that are out there. And I'll just uh, say, if whether you're in the military or not, uh, you probably have benefits. You probably have some sort of packet that tells you all the di different benefits. And when I get a hold of things like that from our clients, people we're, we're working with, it's just amazing what we find in there that you're just not aware of because, um, you know, you got your, your job to do, you got your life to live. And it's just, uh, we want anyone, whether they're in the military or not, to make use of all the benefits that they have. So look into that. Look, the first thing you got to do uh, is ask your HR, uh, whether it's military or not, for your your total benefits packet and look at things that are called summary plan descriptions. They'll tell you a lot about the different benefits you have available while you're working and going into retirement. But here we are talking about retirement, military retirement. Uh, let's let's go through a few questions I had for you. One of them is just, how does the military retirement system work? Uh, great question. And I'll describe it the way it always traditionally has, and then tell you how it's updated and changed in the last five years. But the uh, military retirement system was designed to uh, have people retire after approximately 20 years. So it used to be, and this is how most people that you know that are military retirees 
you're not entitled to retirement until you've served 20 years. And then at 20 years, you uh, are eligible for a base payment of equal to 50% of your base pay. So at if you retire at, uh, exactly at 20 years, you'd get 50% of what your average of the last three years payments are. If you stay on each additional year, you get a little bit more all the way up to 30 years, you would get 75% of your pay. And there's very few people, unless you're a general officer or a senior sergeant major, that go beyond 30 years. But if you went beyond 30 years, all the way up to 40 years, you would actually retire on 100% of your base pay if you served that long. So it's a pretty generous defined benefit retirement plan that individuals get, but they have to have served 20 years. And 20 years, exactly. You, you, do, you cut out a day early, that doesn't quite count. Uh, that's right. People want to hang on with those kind of golden handcuffs. What they realized was a lot of people would join the military, serve for four, five, six, 10 years, and then they leave and they don't have any retirement benefits. And so that's why in 2018, Congress changed the law slightly. They made the defined benefit plan slightly less advantageous uh, in that at 20 years, you retire with only 40% of your pay or 60% of your pay at 75 years, but they actually provide a defined contribution plan like people have in their 401k, where they will match, automatically they'll give you 1% and they'll match up to 5% of your savings so that you can enter the military, put away 5% and the government will match that 5% in a 401k type plan. Yeah, that 401k type plan, uh, I think you're referring to the thrift savings plan. We've got a good number. I'm from Maryland, I suppose. My dad was in the military as well. So we kind of moved around a, a little bit, not as much as as some, but uh, a lot of my friends and, and people I know are in Maryland. So we've got a lot of federal workers that I, I know. And being here in Milwaukee, when you're a federal worker, they just love, uh, their, their ears perk up when all of a sudden uh, they know that I understand the TSP and, and kind of the, the thrift savings on those lines. Very well. It's a great, fairly low cost way to uh, passively invest in the five different funds or the life cycle funds. And that's, you're exactly right, Jeremy. That's where if individual the automatic contribution from the government of 1% or the matching contributions of up to 5% go into that thrift savings plan, which then the individuals could get like any other 401k when they turn 59 and a half or at the other various events that happen in their lives. Yeah, that's that's right on. Uh, I'm just going to ask you to maybe summarize a bit on that TSP. What What is the thrift savings plan, the t TSP? And tell me more about how it works. Yeah, the thrift savings plan is the government's equivalent of a retirement plan for both federal employees as well as uh, those in the military. And you can set aside money that goes in there, again, depending upon your role in the federal government, uh, for people who came into the Army after 2018, into the military after 2018, they will match up to 5%. Uh, people like me that were in the military well before that, uh, when I was in the Army, you could just contribute to it. Uh, there were no matching funds. But in any case, it is a uh, passive uh, set of uh, funds where it can go into uh, anyone. The general approach is five different kinds of funds. They have stable value funds, a government fund. They have a bond fund, which they refer to as the fixed income fund. 
They have a small cap fund. They have a large cap fund and they have an international fund. And uh, you can divide your uh, investment up into any one of those funds. Or what many people do is they choose the life cycle fund where you pick your retirement date, let's say 2050, you put it in that life cycle fund and it will automatically rebalance. Yeah, I uh, appreciate you sharing that. It's funny, I've run into some people sometimes they say, I don't know about these L funds. I like the other ones better. I say, well, the, the L funds, right? The life cycle funds known as the L funds are only made up of those five other funds. It's just a mixture. And those lifestyle L funds and the TSP, those are uh, just a mixture that changes over time to match up the year that you're planning on retirement or planning on needing the money. Yeah, it's, it, exactly. Jeremy, it's like when you go through the buffet, the L fund just divides up the parts on your plates of how many from the G fund, F fund, I fund, S fund, and C fund happen to be on that plate based upon what some pretty smart financial advisors think that you should have if you're 10 years from retirement, 15 years from retirement, 30 years from retirement, the same kinds of things that you talk to people about on the show. And it, it allows you to automatically rebalance the way financial experts would want you to. So if you have some expertise, you can adjust it any way you want. If you don't have that expertise, I think relying on the experts and the life cycle funds is what a lot of people do with their thrift savings plan. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. You mentioned earlier about how a lot of times AFMA comes in and helps widows, widowers, families. And that's going to come into a few other terms. I just want to uh, get out there and make sure people are aware of and they're looking into it. Uh, but I'm going to ask you, uh, what is SGLI? SGLI is the Service Members Group Life Insurance. And uh, everybody who joins the military is they don't have to be enrolled, but basically they're automatically enrolled and you have to go to a lot of effort to not be enrolled. And it, it's a very good program uh, where you get $500,000 of life insurance. And the current price of that is $30 a month, mm. which is very competitive compared with others. And it's particularly competitive when you have it at any age without any underwriting. So the reason why it's competitive that way is the entire military is thrown into this pile. So you have a bunch of very young, healthy, fit 18-year-olds that are getting up every morning doing PT, combined with a few older folks that are in their 40s or 50s that would not get insurance that inexpensively, but they've been paying in for a long period of time. So it protects service members while they are in the service. Importantly, when they retire from military service or when they leave military service, that service members group life insurance ends 120 days after they leave the service. So it's very important that they work with either AFMA or some other organization to get insurance that replaces that SGLI. Yeah, that's my next question is really, how do you switch to VGLI when you leave the military? Well, uh, you have to apply for it, which is very important. And if you apply for it, Within 240 days after you leave the military, you can get that VGLI without a medical exam. So somebody who especially has any health conditions, it's very important to apply for VGLI within the 240 days. It's Jeremy Kyle here, and I know you're listening to the Retirement Review Podcast because you want to learn more about making great retirement decisions. I've created a free video course for you to do just that. Head over to 5stepretirementplan.com and sign up to receive this video training right in your email inbox. 
we broke down our five-step retirement plan into bite-sized videos so you can get started on the retirement, investment, and tax planning you need to create a consistent retirement income. Go to 5stepretirementplan.com. Use the number or spell it out. You'll get there either way. 5stepretirementplan.com. Thanks for listening. And now for the rest of the show. Yeah, that's um, those are terms that I kind of grew up with my, with my dad being in the Army. But just those, what you've already said to me so far, I've been a financial advisor for 20, 20 years and just, I needed to bring someone on like, like you to be on the show to, to just highlight the expertise that's needed, kind of the, the nuances of retiring from different places and, and the idea of here's what happens with your life insurance. Uh, there's deadlines. This is why we focus so much on retirement. There's one big deadline uh, for a lot of things. And here's one of them where if you need the life insurance, uh, you better do it within the first 240 days there. Uh, I'm thinking you want to prepare for it ahead of time. Yeah. The huge advantage of BGLI is just what I said. You could be have recently diagnosed with a cancer diagnosis and you will still be able to get BGLI. The big disadvantage of BGLI, on the other hand, is because they have to accept everyone, the price of BGLI can be substantially higher. Uh, in fact, if you're in your 50s, the rates will go up almost 10 times more than when you were paying when you were in the service. So that that's why it's even more important as you are retiring or as you're leaving military service to look, if you're reasonably healthy, just in fair health or better, to look at other organizations, whether it's Thrivent, whether it's AFMA, whether it's, uh, as you mentioned, USAA or State Farm or Select Quote or, or somebody go ahead while you still have that opportunity to get VGLI within those 240 days, go out and get an underwritten policy from AFMA. And then we will be able to tell you what you qualify for and how much lower the rates are. In general, when we compare individuals who get insurance from us with what they would have paid from VGLI, it's almost 75% less in many cases. And so that's why uh, you definitely want to shop around for insurance as you're transitioning out of the military to be sure that you have that when you lose SGLI. Yeah, it just shows the power of what insurance is for. Insurance is a uh, a grouping of a lot of people together to to kind of pay in and help each other out when you truly, truly need it. And there's a power in there of being healthy. If they understand that the grouping is healthier than average, then they want to reflect that in the price. And a mutual aid organization like AFMA is going to definitely reflect that in a lower price if you you qualify, but also shows the power of you got that great backup, right? If you go through and you can't get it, figure that out in the first 240 days. And then, then you realize that price is a deal. That's actually a, that, that you might say that's a high price, but it's a deal because you can't get it anywhere else. It's, it's worth it uh, for you. Absolutely. Oh, excellent. Good. Well, you uh, talked about some specific things. We're going to get a little broader and I'm going to ask, uh, what are the key factors for service members to consider about retirement? Well, I think one of the key factors is that they need to think through not only what do they need to retire on financially, but what will their family be dependent upon? As I mentioned, the military retirement is a defined benefit plan. So it's paid out from the government. It goes up every year based upon COLA, the cost of living allowance that Congress uh, increases that military retired pay. But the important thing for retirees to remember is when you die, your retired pay stops. It's not like a 401k that necessarily transfers to your spouse or your family. 
That's why in the 1970s, the military came up with what's known as the Survivor Benefit Plan, which, as you mentioned, the decisions that you make when you retire, the Survivor Benefit Plan is one of the most important decisions that you have to make. And you make it one time as you retire. You can elect upon retirement to pay six and a half percent of your retired pay back into the government. And if you do that, when you die, your the government will continue to pay part of your retired pay, 55% of your retired pay to your spouse for the rest of his or her life. And so that's a really important decision that if your spouse is dependent upon your retired pay, it is very important for you either to have substantial life insurance, substantial investments, or to enroll in the survivor benefit plan. Yeah, that's a big piece of it because it's not just about you, it's about the both of you. It's not about uh, just you as maybe a 37-year-old retiring. Uh, it's about you as a 93-year-old at some point in time. Uh, and and the decisions you make then are, are huge, which is why uh, just these, these big one-time decisions about your life insurance, about how you take your retirement are just um, just so impactful. You need to prepare for that ahead of time. That is very, very important. Good. Well, I uh, got a few fun questions I want to ask you, but uh, before that, I'm curious, uh, tell me what, what have I not asked you that you, that I perhaps should have? Well, the only other part that I think is very important is anybody who has been in military service for a long period of time probably has developed some health conditions. Mm -hmm. And you see this a lot with our veterans. It's always very important as you retire to get a complete comprehensive physical from the military and then you can take that over to the Department of Veterans Affairs. And the Department of Veterans Affairs can, A, take care of you from a healthcare perspective, if you have anything that went wrong with you while you were in the military, as well as there's a pension and compensation exam where you actually can get VA disability pay. If there are anything that went wrong with you that either was caused by military service or exacerbated from military service. So I strongly encourage not just retirees, but anybody who's a veteran to be sure to get a uh, military and then VA medical exam so that they can take care of all of those conditions. Uh, each of the people who have served in the military uh, have sacrificed a lot, both in their time as well as sometimes in their bodies. And it's mm -hmm. important. The government has a very good program. Uh, I work closely with the Department of Veterans Affairs on some issues in the past. And they are very good. Uh, sometimes it's a challenge to get through the bureaucracy. But once you get through the bureaucracy, they're very good at taking care of veterans and making sure that we can uh, do what President Lincoln wanted us to do, to take care of those that have served uh, in war and their families as well. Yeah, that's uh, that's great advice. We'll make sure to highlight that piece of it, too. Uh, I've got, uh, I'm curious, actually, you retired from the military. Now you're working with AFMA. How do you plan to spend your retirement? What's, what's your thoughts on your own retirement? Well, uh, I, I don't know. It's a lot of fun working with AFMA and uh, continue to stay involved in sports. And, you know, when I, uh, to give you an idea of how much life changes, when I retired 10 years ago, I had three kids. I had no grandchildren. Now all three kids are married. And uh, I have nine grandchildren. So spending time with uh, my grandchildren is really a lot of fun. That's an awesome, uh, awesome way to go. I hear that a lot. And that's something I'm trying to ask more of is, is when you're on the show and you're close to retirement or thinking about it, 
what, what, what's your plan? Because I think sometimes people don't have a plan. They just want to kind of get out of whatever is in right now. And I think uh, you, you've got a, a mission already. You went from one mission uh, to another mission. And, and whenever uh, you've, you've got an idea of what uh, the, the, the next few years will look like whenever that, that gets to that uh, point. Exactly. Yeah. That's awesome. I had something when I saw your your rank. There's one little acronym that just uh, pointed, just hopped in my head because I've heard it for uh, growing up. But uh, for those that uh, aren't familiar with the military, tell me, what does be my little girl mean? What does that mean? Well, that's uh, it's keeping track of what the various ranks are. Brigadier General is the lowest rank. Major General is the next rank. Lieutenant General is the next rank. And then General Officer is the highest rank. So that's how it uh uh, you sometimes keep track of that. It does get confusing because somehow a major general, uh, although a major outranks a lieutenant, uh, a lieutenant general outranks a major general, right. uh, which can be confusing unless you have a mnemonic like uh, you just related, Jeremy. Yeah, I thought of that. And of course, uh, you, you said brigadier is the uh, the lowest rank. I don't know if I would call that the lowest rank, but uh, <laughs> and everyone just seems to be a general when you when you meet them, which is great. Good. Yeah. Well, I've got uh, one final question for you, but before that, tell us what's the best way for people to reach out to you or perhaps to AFMA? Yeah, the best way is actually we've got a lot of information on our on our website. Whether you want to reach us or just consume some of the great stuff in our learning hub is at AFMA.com. That's www.aafmaa.com. And uh, you can also Google my name, Michael Meese, and that usually shows up uh, there. And we're happy to help uh, any service member, whether it's on insurance, financial questions, survivor assistance, transition questions. There's a great transition guide there that people can download when they're getting out of the military that covers many of the topics that you and I have discussed, Jeremy. That's perfect. I think it's under the resources tab. I'm going to make sure to link to that directly to get that transition guide. Perfect. And of course, if anyone wants more ideas on how to make their retirement great for me, go ahead right now. Just click that subscribe button. We'll keep on uh, giving you more great retirement ideas, great guests like like Mike here. All right, final question for you, Mike. Tell us something about yourself that few people know about. And remember, this podcast is rated clean. Uh, well, no, I uh, I probably most people don't know. I mentioned that I grew up in California, was in San Diego. People in the Midwest are concerned about football. In San Diego, the biggest thing was uh, water polo and swimming. So I played uh, water polo in our uh, in my senior year. We were sixteen and zero, the CIF champions in water polo. In fact, our swim team was excellent. Uh, you may have heard of the diver Greg Luganis. Greg Luganis yeah. was actually in my high school and was diving on our swimming and diving team, and he had already won a silver medal in the Olympics. Uh, so uh, uh, kind of a neat way to focus on swimming when everybody else in high school tends to focus on football. Yeah. Oh, that's fun. That's great. Thanks for uh, sharing that. And thank you for coming on the show. I've had a lot of fun learning from you and, and of course, uh, getting to share that with everyone in the military or someone knows someone in the military to check out uh, the things Mike talked about so you can, you can learn more about retiring from the military. Thank you very much, Jeremy. Great to be on your show. Absolutely. And thank you for listening to the Retirement Reveal podcast. We believe if you know more about your money, you will feel better about your money and you will make better money decisions. This was another great episode of the Retirement Revealed podcast. Click on the subscribe button below to automatically get our latest episodes. If you liked our show and want even more, please give us a rating and a review at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. We would love to hear from you. 
please go to retirement-revealed.com to learn more and send us your questions and feedback. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guests and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Kyle Financial Partners, Thrivent, or its affiliates. The guests are not affiliated with or endorsed by Thrivent Advisor Network. Kyle Financial Partners does not provide legal accounting or tax advice. Consult your attorney or tax professional. Representatives have general knowledge of the Social Security tenants. For details on your situation, contact the Social Security Administration. Kyle Financial Partners is part of the Thrivent Advisor Network, a registered investment advisor. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investment advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have with your investment planning. Advisory persons of Thrivent provide advisory services under a doing business as name or may have their own legal business entities. However, advisory services are engaged exclusively through Thrivent Advisor Network LLC, a registered investment advisor. Kyle Financial Partners and Thrivent Advisor Network LLC are not affiliated companies. Information in this message is for the intended recipients only. Please visit our website, www.kylefp.com, for important disclosures.